Today on IFS Talks, we're speaking with Michelle Glass. Michelle Glass is a level three certified IFS practitioner, alternative counselor, and soul collage facilitator in Eugene, Oregon. She's the author of the well-received book, Daily Parts Meditation Practice, a journey of embodied integration for clients and therapists. Michelle also provides DPMP workshops at the annual IFS conference and around the world, as well as offers support for those wanting to work with the tools of the DPMP process. Having 15 years of experience with the IFS model and learning it for the first time from the inside out, Michelle brings a palpable nature of a self-led, mostly unburdened system to the world. Additionally, Michelle Glass is the editor of the Foundation for Self-Leadership's magazine, Outlook. Michelle, welcome to IFS Talks, and thanks for being here with us today. Thank you, Tisha and Annabelle. It's really nice to be here. My parts have been very excited to, to be here with you today. So thanks, Michelle, for willing to sit with us. What parts come up today hearing your bio? Hmm. I'm going to just check inside here. Well, the first one that usually comes up with things like this is um, my main manager, Ariadne, who, who wonders sometimes um, how much it matters to listeners that we don't hear big credentials behind my name and that's often a big um, thought through her head even though she's heard to the contrary many times that that that, um, is not so important i also hear her saying she's really proud of of the the work we've been doing and excited for the conversation and she's also saying, how did we get here? <laughs> um, I, I also notice a bunch of little shy parts, my younger parts, who um, don't like to be in the spotlight and they're kind of peeking their heads out from behind other parts, kind of bodies. Um, and and it's i'm getting this image from my parts of like they they see me and you you both up on a stage talking and they're in the audience looking at us so that's kind of the image that i'm seeing from the collective mm-hmm. nice but i suppose if i sat in there long enough i'd get something more from probably every part <laughs> <laughs> Will you share with us how you got here? A little bit of of that journey that that part was wondering about. Yeah, how did I get here? Um, I I guess more broadly, you know, how I I came here is from my own healing journey with IFS. Um, And fast forward going through that process um during that process came up with these different things that eventually led to my book um and that book you know being so well received has kind of catapulted me 
to where I am. So, I mean, that's a very quick synopsis of how I got here, but we can take some time through each of those pieces. Um, but that, that question from Ariadne, how did I get here is, is one of, I think, stemming back from my childhood of not wanting to be in the spotlight and not wanting to have eyes upon me and very, very afraid to, to speak to other people. So she's like, wow, look at how far we've come. We, you know, it's not, it's not just that we were having a conversation in person with somebody, but this is a bigger piece. So Michelle, could you please tell us a bit about your journey into the helping profession once you are a counselor as well? So was there something in your personal life that was determinant for you becoming a counselor? Mm, yeah. Well, I grew up with a lot of complex trauma, um, abused by two family members and also a child of divorce. And when I was a child, I always felt like there must be a way to prevent all of this that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and going through school, I always thought I would go on to become a therapist. And um, along my journey, I ended up having children and deciding to be a stay-at-home mom. So that got on hold. And then my trauma became, um, what shall I say, my exiled trauma began to resurface. And so I had to, I was faced with having to work through that. And um, working through that process and then going, I, I went to Esalen many years in a row and met Dick and became friends with a lot of therapists and they were all thinking, well, you know, you, you're, they always thought I was a therapist to begin with, but then they were like, well, if you're not one, you should become one. You were a mother back then. I was, um, um, yes, definitely. And then that process of hearing from other therapists of, you know, really highly encouraging me to become a um, therapist or a counselor. I, um, sat with parts around going back to school to get my master's and Beautiful. didn't do that. Um, in Oregon, Oregon's one of two states in the U.S. that allows for people to practice counseling without um, higher mm -hmm. degrees. So, and as long as I don't assess, diagnose, or treat mental disorders, which yeah. fits very perfectly with IFS. Um, I would be happy as well not having to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it fits very perfectly. So I'm able to practice um you know, IFS with, with clients. So. And will you share a little bit about your own healing journey with us? Now you, you really know your system well and your, your, Parts are really well articulated, but how did you um, begin to explore that? Well, I'll say it was a really scary um, decision for my system to, to embark on this journey because um, uh, it had been so exiled for me. And having my children um, 
would bring up a lot of flashbacks for me and lots of memories that I hadn't remembered for a long time. And um, when that be that was really pro- problematic, and so I knew I had to get into some sort of some sort of therapy. And because my parts that I didn't know were parts at the time, I just thought it was all of me, was really afraid of being diagnosed with anything and the pathology. And so I looked for therapists who couldn't do that (laughs) or didn't have that in their frame of reference. Um, So I started with a Hakomi therapist and she was very body um, focused and being um, an incest survivor that was really challenging and very scary for me to focus on the body. I saw her for about three years, and I would say in retrospect that Hakomi was certainly helpful in many ways, but there was not what I later learned, this process of unblending. To me, it felt like a lot of being highly blended still in Hakomi. Um, But one day she... She does, she was using IFS with me and I just stopped her in her tracks. I said, what is this? Because whatever this is, is exactly what I need because this is going somewhere different and this feels really good. <laughs> and she said, oh, I had just come back from a, a training. It's called IFS. So you have an Akami therapist making a foray or the tour into IFS. Yeah. Beautiful. So your system just recognized the difference. It was a it was a huge difference and said yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was this um in the Hakomi, you know, she would mention parts work or so she would kind of lay the little seeds of, well, that's just a part of you. And and that was just really scary for parts of me who felt like you know, if I listen to these quote parts, um, I'm going to be like Sybil, you know, I'm going to have um, DID, right? Mm-hmm. And that was just so scary. But there was something different in that that first session with IFS that just made my system relax enough to go, oh. okay, this feels safe. Um, and from there... Uh, I went home and I, I had to look up IFS and there was a workshop with Dick at Esalen um, a couple months later and I went straight into a workshop with Dick and when I came home from that I told my therapist you know I said I want two sessions a week and I want 90 minutes each session and it felt like dominoes like we were just meeting part after part after part and unburdening and unburdening and it just felt like maybe all those three years of Hakomi of listening into the body here and there and meeting the dissociation and resistance and all of this began to make sense in the parts framework for me. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time with your parts. I, I remember um, 
in that workshop with you, you had like um, maybe different, um, like beautiful representations of many of your parts. Yes. Yeah. That came much later. Um, that came, I would say maybe 10 or 12 years after, um, after that initial IFS session. Um, and that's a piece of, um, you know, I, I was in I, um, that regular highly focused IFS sessions for a few years. And then I got to a place where I felt like, oh, I could take a break from, from therapy for a while. You know, I have, I'm feeling really good for the first time in my life. And so I left therapy for a bit. And then as life has it, um, was re-triggered when a new relationship and new new things were popping up, which brought me to what my parts refer to as the epicenter of the epicenter of my trauma. <laughs> a little extreme example, but epicenter of the epicenter, um, which then ended up, um, my system at that point really wanted to be, I would say, more recognized. And so that's where my daily meditation practice began and that's where these pendants or these externalization of um, those pendants that you saw came in was getting to know what, what, what item did my parts want so that when I saw that or when my other parts saw that pendant, they knew who that part is. Michelle, you, you had a long journey of therapy, this Akomi becoming IFS. And then when you st stopped, you started doing your daily practice? So there was, a, like I mentioned, there was a break between kind of um, pockets of therapy, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was during that second segment of, of deep inner work that that um, daily meditation practice started which was about hmm, maybe seven years ago. Um, and that really stemmed from the, what felt like the epicenter, like the, the deepest part of my wounding really became available to me. And from that really making sense of the whole system. And that's where my parts really wanted to have a daily practice. And once I started connecting, um, Every, every morning on a walk in my um, local arboretum, there was this really palpable sense of relief and calm in the system because my parts knew. Um, I've got roughly about 30, 31 parts, and I choose one part each day. So they knew that at least one, one day a month, they'll get some time talking with me. Unless there's something big up, they also get some more time with me, right? So there was this relief in my mm -hmm. system of, oh, we don't have to wait for just, you know, going to Esalen or going to some place where we have op the opportunity for meditation. We're going to do this every day. Michelle, in my work with my clients, I need to take notes 
for somehow tracking their parts. And I maybe I track more clients' parts than mine. Yes, yes. And it's amazing that you could do this by yourself, being able to track your own parts in such a beautiful and and illustrated way. How, how was it for you with tracking the, your clients' parts? Did you uh, just uh, went the same way you did it with yourself? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, along my journey, whenever a part would unburden, I would write down the critical, what, what a part of me calls the critical pieces, you know, what, what um, burdens there are, where they were retrieved, what they unburdened on the qualities received. So I would write those down and it wasn't until later that I realized, oh, this is actually really helpful. I can use this, use this with my clients. And so that's kind of how I started tracking with my clients is using what I call parts catalog cards. Um, and that's something that's in my book that we'll talk about some other time. But um, being able to really listen to each part and write something down that we were hearing about them and capturing it on one individual sheet of paper that we just add to over time um, has been very helpful for me um, with my clients. And it was for me on my healing journey. curious about um, how how you've dovetailed into um, working with the IFS Institute and um, and yeah leading workshops how did that happen yeah um, I was preparing to go to Esalen one year and my therapist at the time, when I had completed that strand of um, parts on the necklace, she said, you must show this to Dick when you go to Esalen. And I did. And his jaw almost dropped and he said, come sit down and show me this and tell me about all of these things that you have here. And I thought, oh, this is just what everybody does, right? Everybody goes through their system and makes things like this with their parts. And he's like, not everybody does this, no. <laughs> um, so um, he he suggested I, I introduce this to the group there at Esalen. And then from there, he said, I think it would be really a great contribution to come to the conference and present um, these different things that you do, these tools that have now become tools. And um, it was scary enough initially for my parts to present it in a group of 30 at Esalen, but to know, wow, Dick's wanting me to go to the conference um, was a huge thing. So I had to work with a lot of parts around uh, public speaking because I hadn't given a presentation in probably 25 years at that point or something. And um, yeah, so I went to the conference and well, a little side piece of that is in preparation for that, um, making my PowerPoint, I, I soon discovered that this was more than a PowerPoint. This was more of a book and that's kind of how the book was birthed. Um, 
and having a very short um, a short time between when Dick invited me to the conference to getting um, the official confirmation from the Institute um, to come was a very short time for me to get ready. So I wrote that book in about four to six months with, you know, probably 15 hours a day (laughs) after clients and stuff. So that's kind of my journey of getting, getting to the conference and my first workshop that you and Tisha were at. So there, there are some really capable parts in there. (laughs) (laughs) That would be Ariadne and Henry. Yeah. Two of my parts. I, I, I know my system so well. So when I, you know, when you ask about the bio or, or people ask, you know, what do your parts think? I, I can know exactly who's who's talking, um, but those two are the <laughs> ones who really helped with the book. It's an incredible contribution. Thank you. Michelle, you are now a counselor and a therapist and an IFS practitioner. What did help you more or as much to become a a good practitioner or a good IFS therapist? Was it your own journey in a Komi IFS journey or how much this work you just mentioned, the daily practice, helped you to become a better practitioner or therapist? That's a good question. I think if I were to look back at at all of that, and just from the frame of reference of the model itself, to me, just having healed my parts and knowing them well enough that they give me the space in sessions with clients is, I think, what what is the biggest piece for me. Um, that that my parts are very willing to to give space and very seldom do they pop in in a session. So I think that's the biggest piece. So you're able to really just be there for clients with a lot of self. Yeah, right. And with that daily practice um, that I had begun seven years ago with my parts, when I did start working with clients, um, at the end of my um, meditation practice, I would let my system know which clients I was seeing that that day, and for them to let me know in this meditation if there's anything that you know you're worried about or bothered about by these different clients I'm seeing today. And so I would get to hear that at the beginning of my day, they would know that I, I understood them, and then they could they could go about my parts could quote go about their own days right while i was busy with my clients and if if a part did come up in a session with a client i would you know check in with them and i'd say i'd all be right with you at the end of the day and a different part kind of takes over and sits with that part you know during the session and then um at the end of the day i can go back to my part and see what was it that um made them feel like they needed to come into the session and What was their concern? Mm
And with with the clients that you work with, um, is there a specific um, arena that you prefer or people who are drawn to you? Do you work with abuse, trauma? Yeah, um, I do work with a lot of trauma survivors. Um, and ironically, Ariane would say ironically, um, I work with a lot of um, therapists. Like I think probably three quarters of my um, clientele are therapists, whether they know IFS or not. So, and in fact, I've had a few um, non-IFS therapists come to me and then over the course of our work decide to go take a level one and then they become IFS therapists themselves. But um, yeah, I see mostly mostly trauma survivors and therapists with varying different things that they want to work with. Michelle, you also became the editor for the Outlook magazine newsletter on IFS Foundation. Can you tell us more about this work of yours? Yeah, um, that also stems from Esalen. Um, one year I was there and my friend Marushka Glisson had um, talked about the foundation, which was just getting started back then and mentioned that they were looking for volunteers. And at that time I wasn't working um, and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I contacted um, Tufik Hakim, who's the uh, executive director and said, I've got some time, what would you like me to do? And he said, well, what can you do? And I said, well, I've written newsletters before and I could do some database management and So I started out as a volunteer doing some um, starting up their database and and then creating Outlook. So we, we started Outlook, which was then just a little 12 page newsletter and it goes out twice a year and each edition it grew and grew and grew. So we've grown from 12 pages. I think this last one is um, 64 pages and um, about a year after the volunteering, um, was brought on as a consultant. So yeah, it's been a fun journey. is this magazine about? Could you tell us a bit about what are their goals? Yeah. Um, in Outlook, we like to um, feature pretty much anything IFS related. So we've got dedicated sections um, for research, how people are using IFS both in psychotherapy and then beyond psychotherapy. We have a community connections piece where we also feature the work or updates from the Institute. Um, and, and then also um, 
highlight what the foundation itself has done over the course of the year. So we, we do feature many people in the community and show the, the varying ways people are using IFS. And so it, it goes out to everybody who's a um, member of the foundation and then the Institute has a reciprocal relationship with us where um, about a week after we send ours out, they will send a digital form of, of Outlook out to everyone who's on the Institute's um, mailing list. So, Michelle, you keep an eye on the unfolding world of IFS. I do. What are you seeing as for the future, for instance? Yeah, um, good question. There, I would just want to say there are some parts of me that really enjoy this position there because um, I do get a lot of inside um, perspectives that that don't get to be shared for um, until they're ready. So, um, but as far as what I see. There's just in the last, as you as you both probably know, IFS has taken off by leaps and bounds in the last 10 years, but especially in the last three to four. And being able to see just the wide variety of where IFS is used, not only in therapy, but just, you know, in business and schools and mediation and law, um, it's really becoming what what Dick has talked about and what, what I've always dreamed about too is having IFS as kind of the, the air we breathe. And that's kind of what I get to see is like all these different pockets of places where IFS is being used. for you personally what's what's next what's coming down the line what's coming down the line um well i'm on a sabbatical to write my next book um which will be um capturing my my ifs healing journey of bringing a bringing a system fully from really highly blended very little access to self through that process through the the whole system to um a mostly unburdened self-led life so it's it's gonna show that that huge trajectory for me so there's that so this one is not a deepening of the, the daily practice it's not so much um a deepening of well i guess in some ways you might consider it a deepening of the the dpmp um i think readers who have read the dpmp will get to see how how and why that was created maybe through that and why why those different tools were really helpful. I'm also doing my first um, online DPMP workshop, and this um, will be December 11th with Derek Scott's Masterclass series, and it's just a three-hour intro to the DPMP. But then in February, I will be doing 
two different series. Um, the first one is a um, series, four-week series for therapists. And the second series is a three-week series for clients. And both of those are a real full experiential of all the six tools of the DPMP. And that's through um, Michael in Poland with Life Architect. understand that you um, are entitled to a big congratulations. Yes. All right. There's yes, I'm getting married next week. Oh, wishing you the, the best. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it goes beautifully. I know the pandemic has probably shifted plans. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Once the pandemic releases its grip on everybody, we'll have a much bigger celebration but it'll be a very small one for now well beautiful thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and to share your journey to share your experience and your wisdom thank you yes michelle we we look forward to sit with you again it was a joy to be here with you and tisha and uh, we hope we can keep meeting and sharing this model our work and our lives. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I look forward to, to meeting with you again.